to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and a review as well. That would be fantastic. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Uh, a couple of things we're going to talk about on today's show TSM put out their new trade bait board once again here for the month of October, and there's a lot of new names, and it's 50 names deep. Uh, A lot of moving, a lot of shaking, so we'll take a look at a couple of guys from the Maple Leafs that are on the board, one that fell off the board, which I think is interesting, and and we'll talk about that. And then also in in the second segment, I think we'll have a discussion about some of these guys who are on the trade bait board who Toronto might have some interest in, whether it's, you know, the fact that I think they should have interest, whether I've heard, read, you know, just some guys who Toronto could use and could, in my opinion, make the team better. And then also... Free agencies just around the corner. We're just about a week away from it. And I think that we're going to see some of the, you know, we're going to see the top guys get paid. Petrangelo, he's going to get paid. Taylor Hall, he'll get paid. I'm not sure about the guys in the bottom six with this flat cap. So I'll get into that theory a little bit uh, later on in today's show. But let's talk about uh, this trade bait board here on TSN. Talk about the two Leafs that are on here. Uh, both of them were also on the one that was in September, so neither should be a surprise. So the first one is Andreas Janssen coming in at 18th on the board. Uh, I think Janssen's probably a guy who everybody expects to be moved. Uh, if they want to make any type of signing to bring in somebody, that's probably going to be the contract that they move, right? He's 25 years old, making 3.4 for the next three years. That's not a lot of money, but it's too much for Toronto considering that he has made himself expendable, right? Like I've talked about it countless times. You know, the fact that Nick Nick Robertson is ready to come in and ready to play like we saw in the playoffs you know, there's just no space for Janssen now in the top nine. And I, I, I paying $3.4 million for a guy like him to play on your fourth line just isn't manageable for the Leafs cap situation. So if they can move on from him and pick up some decent pieces, it makes sense. I don't know who is going to be interested in bringing in a guy like Andreas Janssen, but, you know, a top nine player who has played in the top six with really good players before. Like, he was on the line with Austin Matthews for most of his career, like, most of his NHL career, that is. So, I, I mean, Janssen could be a player or a piece that teams look at and like, okay, we can slide him into our middle six, and he might be able to give us, you know, 20, 20 goals, maybe 15, 20 goals, 50 points, uh, could play in our second power play and, and, and just, you know, eat up some quality minutes. But I don't think he's going to really break the bank for you, and you're probably not looking to get too, too much for him. The biggest benefit of moving on from Janssen and trading him away for the Leafs is to acquire that $3.4 million in cap space. Because as we sit right now, the Leafs got 6.1. You add that 3.4 to that, you're looking at $9.5 million in space. They still got Mikheyev. They got to sign. They still got to worry about what they're going to do with Travis Dermott, whether or not they trade him, sign him. Regardless, they got to figure it out. And then uh, they still got to fill out you know, the rest of their lineup. Right, they only got a few defensemen that are going to be under contract now. Both CC and uh, Barry are leaving. That has been reported now that both of them will be testing the open market. I don't think anyone 
<laughs> didn't see that coming. That was mainly expected, but it's being reported now that that, in fact, is going to be the case. Uh, so that's two defensemen that for sure are going to be gone for Toronto. And then now you think about uh, what they're going to do with Dermott. He needs to be signed. So there's only three guys right now, Hall, Riley, and Muzzin, who are actually penciled into this lineup next year. So you've got $9.5 million to kind of fix up that uh, defense there. Maybe Sandine slides up. You also need to kind of worry about the depth a little bit. So that's going to be a nice $3.4 million that they can get off the books if they get themselves uh, either a prospect or a depth player on a, on a much less lesser of a contract that makes sense, some draft picks, something. But they're not going to be. it's not going to be dollars out, dollars in type deal. This is strictly to, to try and move out as much cap as possible. Uh, the second one, the, uh, the second Maple Leaf that's out here on the trade bait board is Freddie Anderson. So he's still on here, but he moved down from 20 back in September down to 23. I don't really, I'm not looking into that, to be honest. That, that means that, oh, maybe they're not going to trade him. I, I don't think that has anything to do with it. But what is interesting is that, and I'll be honest, I don't know, these these might be very, very arbitrary rankings here. Like, technically, you got Oliver Ekman Larson as the number one player here on the trade bait board. Whether that means that he's the most likely to go and he's more likely to go than, let's say, Tyler Johnson, who's at 13th, or Ryan Strom, at, I don't know. We don't know. Like, this is this could very well be very arbitrary. Now, OEL at number one makes sense because there's a lot of conversation about him right now. But a guy like... I don't know, Jake DeBrusque at number seven. Is he really more likely to be traded than a guy like Alex Kalorn at 14th, right? Or or Andreas Jantz at 18th? I don't know. So I don't, I'm not taking a look at the numbers here per se um, as to where they're ranked, but there are seven goaltenders that are ranked in the top 23, which means there's a lot of goalies out here that are being discussed. And the newest one that hit the board is someone who I've been talking about as a potential uh, trade candidate who I think may be quietly on the market is Tuka Rask. He came in at number 10 on this trade board. I'll talk about him in the next segment. But that just goes to show how murky this goaltending market is, is becoming. We are going to have a goalie carousel over the summer. At the beginning of the offseason, like right after the Maple Leafs got eliminated, I was pretty harsh on Freddie Anderson. I was pretty much, um, you know, let's go on an alternate route. He's not a guy you can win with, and let's see if we can get somebody else. But now that I'm looking at at how murky this offseason is going to be, I don't know if the Leafs are going to do it. I, I really don't. And, and it seems like the conversations toward trading him away have really softened here in the Toronto market. Like, I haven't heard anybody talking about it. I haven't read about it. Um there hasn't been much conversation about teams who are linked to Freddie Anderson. And there's just so many other goaltenders who have term or are younger or better who are also available that teams are looking to acquire. Um, so I don't know if Freddie Anderson's going to be a guy who the Leafs end up trading after all. He, the, the Leafs may very well go into next year with him as their number one. He is going into a contract year, but we'll see. But he is on this board, and there's still going to be conversations and discussions about whether or not he is going to be the goalie of the future for the Maple Leafs. And if the answer is yes, he is, I would expect a contract signing through this summer. And if he's not, then maybe he does end up getting dealt. Or maybe they just roll the dice, go one year, and after this season, he kind of walks away, and they look to address the goaltender position next offseason. 
Um, there was one Toronto Maple Leafs, can't say player because not a player, but one Leafs-related thing, I guess we'll say, that was left off of this month's edition of the Trade Bait Board that was there in the past, and that's actually the Leafs' first overall pick, or first round pick, sorry, which is 15th overall. Which I find interesting. This is the pick, being the pick that they got from Pittsburgh in the Kasperi Kapanen deal. And I find it very interesting that it's weaned itself off of this top 50 list for Frank Saravalli. Because, look, he doesn't just, these aren't, it's not a dartboard where he's just throwing names and hoping it sticks. He's plugged in. He's listening. He's hearing what's out there, what's being, what's being talked about, what's being offered, what's being hunted for. And based on this list, it doesn't sound like Toronto's first-round pick is being talked about. Or else it would be here. Like, we have other first-round picks. We have second-round picks and draft picks that are on this list. But not Toronto's, which I find to be very interesting. So whether or not I'm reading into that too much, that maybe the Leafs have said, no, nah, we're, we're thinking about making a pick there. Because I, I think they, they kind of do need to make a pick because they don't have much in their system. It's quite depleted. And with this flat cap, they kind of need cheap, like good, young, cheap players to be able to compete in the next couple of seasons. And the only way you get that is by drafting them. And if you're drafting early in the draft, like 15th round, you're going to get, a, your odds are you're going to get a better player. Next week with the draft coming up on Wednesday, I'm uh, Monday, Tuesday is going to be full draft talk. So we're going to, we're going to fully, you know, talk to, uh, uh, I'm hoping to get Tony Ferrari on the show, uh, possibly somebody uh, here within TSN. I've sent out a couple of feelers to see if I can get someone to come on with me and chat with us and see what they're hearing, see what they feel, get some scattering reports from them. But um, yeah, it doesn't sound like Toronto is shopping that 15th overall pick, which I find to be very, very interesting. Not to say that it's not going to be dealt, because it very well could be if the right trade presents itself. Very well could end up being dealt. Um, And speaking of trade presenting itself, we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, I'll talk about some players here on this trade bait board that maybe Toronto could be interested in. And odds are, if they are interested in these guys, I think that first round pick is going to have to be in play. We'll get back to this conversation, but first I want to tell you guys all about Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer best of all price at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on for their how'd you hear about us box let they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts car will ever need visit rockauto.com Welcome back to the Lockdown Lease Podcast. Mike DiStefano with you. Let's get to it. Uh, some of the guys here that I believe that the Leafs could be intrigued by on this trade bait board. First and foremost, the guy right up at the top, 
Number one, Oliver Ekman Larson. The problem is he has a very limited no trade clause in his contract. Uh, and apparently the Leafs are not one of the teams that he's looking to move. It came out today that Edmonton and Vancouver were two of the preferred destinations that he would be willing to wave to. Uh, I don't know if that means that he won't wave to Toronto or uh, Edmonton. Apparently, he wouldn't wave to. But if the Leafs are interested in a guy like him, who they have been linked to in the past many, many times. The only thing that worries me about uh, Oliver Ekman Larson is, of course, uh, the fact that this is a quite a long contract, seven years at 825 but you know what? He's the same age as Alex Petrangelo. And that's basically the contract you're going to be signing him for. And I don't think he's that far off of a player like Petrangelo. The only thing that I would say is, you know, the lefty-righty thing. Petrangelo definitely helps out this team better with that bonafide right-hand shot that they've been looking for. He's a winner. He's won a cup, captain the team to a cup. OEL hasn't done that. But he's a heck of a player. And if the Leafs can get in on him, if they if they whiff on, on uh, Petrangelo, that might be someone who I would be interested in for Toronto. Uh, another guy here that slides in at third, we've talked about him before, uh, Matt Dumba, right-hand shot, 26 years old, uh, three years left on his deal at $6 million per and they've just got a lot of money tied up in their decor. So I think Matt Dumba's a player that Bill Guerin, the new GM over in Minnesota, may be willing to move on from. Right? They got Spurgeon locked up long-term. They got Suter. And then they just signed um, Jonas Brodeen. You know, $6 million for Matt Dumba may be a little too much to handle for Minnesota. And that's a perfect number here for a top-four guy in Toronto is exactly what we need. Exactly what we need. And before a season-ending injury last year, he was having off to a career season, 50 points. So I think Dumba's a guy who really would be an excellent addition to the Maple Leafs lineup. And he comes at a significantly cheaper rate than Petrangelo or Ekman Larson would cost at $6 bucks, And he's younger, 26. So this entire duration of this three-year deal would be his prime. You know, you're getting the prime years of, of, of Dumba. And then in three years, when hopefully, you know, by year three, four, what would that be, like 2024 or so, the cap starts to move up. And if that happens, then you could start to, to look at, you know, when money opens up again, this contract opens up some more cap space, you can go and, and start going big fish hunting again. Or that gives you an opportunity to re-sign Matt Dumba uh, at, a, at a nice ticket once that contract comes up. So Dumba would be another good one that I think the Maple Leafs uh, would be interested in and uh, could acquire. Again, that first-round pick would probably have to be on the table. It would probably have to be on the table for all of these names that I'm about to mention. But another one that I saw here, and this is, I think, the first appearance that I've seen for this player on the trade bait board, and that's Noah Hannafin. So this is an interesting one because it's very widely known that Kyle Dubas was a big-time Noah Hannafin believer back at the 2015 draft when they had the decision to either go with Hannafin or Mitch Marner. Dubas at the time was the AGM, and he was banging the table. 
for Noah Hannafin. Thought that they needed a a steady, young, steady defenseman, and Noah Hannafin was going to be that next, you know, up and coming blue chipper, number one type D man. Well, he hasn't quite turned into that, but he is a solid, solid top four defenseman. Probably a number three. Still young at 23. Has tons, tons of potential still left in him. And he signed to a very team-friendly four-year, $4.95 million contract. So Noah Hannafin comes in at 22 on this trade bait list. If Calgary's looking to move on from him and they're kind of shopping him around, which they must be if he's landed on this board, it's not like, you know, like I said, these names don't end up here for nothing. There's conversations being had. And I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto has called about Hannafin. I know he's not a righty. He is a left-shot defenseman. But I just think that if Dubas has a shot to pull the trigger and get a guy who he's really liked for the last you know, five, six years on a nice contract, too, at 4.95, at four more years, I think he would be more than willing to do that. I'm hearing that they want a goaltender in return. Potentially. So that's what get that's where things get interesting. Where now it's okay. Well, does Freddie Anderson come into play here instead of that first round pick? So are you willing to give up Noah uh, Freddie Anderson to bring in a young stud defenseman like Noah Hannafin? In order to do that, I think you would obviously need to have a backup plan already kind of in place uh to make that deal. But it is interesting. So I think Hannafin's another player that I, I think the Leafs uh, are in on, or at least having discussions and conversations. But it might cost a goaltender to get it done. It might cost you Freddie Anderson. And if that does happen, well, here's a couple of candidates I think could potentially replace him. One, Tuka Rask. Yes, Tuka Rask finds himself in the top 10 here on this TSN trade bait board. I've been all over this ever since he left the bubble. I don't blame him for leaving the bubble. I don't hold a grudge for him leaving the bubble for family and personal reasons. But the people in Boston are a little different. And I think that there's some bad blood there for how he left and why he left. Maybe not why, but just how he left. And there's some interest around the league, and maybe there's some interest on both sides between Tuca and Don Sweeney about potentially moving on from Rask. He's 33 years old, too, so that might have something to do with it, going into the final year of his contract. you know. So it's not like he's a young pup. At 33, final year of his contract, Boston might be thinking, okay, we might need to get a little younger at the goaltender position, maybe somebody who's got some term or at least some control left on them. So they could be looking to move out to Karask. Maybe a, a Rask for Anderson, one-for-one swap. Give both these goalies a change of scenery. Like, I know Tuca is considered a, you know, one of the, the best goalies in the league. And certainly a better goaltender than Freddie Anderson. Can't even debate that. But if they want to move on from him, you bring in a guy like Anderson who also is in a contract year and a pretty good goalie. And if you put him in front of a, a an improved defense, I mean, he could be also be a top-end goalie like Tuca's been. And for Toronto to bring in a guy who's already won a cup, been to a couple cup finals, I think Tuka Rask is certainly a team that, or a player that the Leafs could be interested in. 
could be interested. Now, $7 million bucks, so it would be an extra $2 million on the cap. And that's where, again, things get a little, a little complicated. But uh, if Boston really is looking to move on from Tuka Rask, maybe a one-for-one one deal could be, could be had. Or a package with like a, a, a few different moving parts. But it is interesting. Matt Murray, another guy who we've talked about before, sitting here at number four on this list. He's a pending RFA, so he is going to need a contract, and I don't know what that contract is going to look like. But the goalie market's not that hot right now. So he may not be able to get what he wants. He may have to sign like a, a three-year deal at four, four and a half million dollars uh, once he does get here. And again, an RFA, so he doesn't have much of a leg to stand on. I believe he does have arbitration rights at least. But, I mean, he kind of struggled this year and pretty well lost his starting role. So I don't know if he really is going to have a great case if he does take it to arbitration to make much more than what Anderson's making now, if at all. So that's a way to get a little cheaper. And apparently the price out there for Matt Murray is a first-round pick, which has scared teams off at this moment which is probably also why the Leafs haven't really pulled the trigger on this deal as well. But he's an interesting one to keep an eye on because he's young, 26 years old. He has experience in a tandem. So hey, if he and, and Jack Campbell could work together as Murray as the 1A and Campbell as the 1B, I think that could be interesting. The Leafs, we already know that there is a connection with Dubas and Matt Murray. So that's... Another reason for it, uh, but we'll see. Uh, two forwards who are on this list, who I think could be could be interesting, who I never actually thought about until I saw them here on this list. Uh, the first one, trying to find where he is on this list. Ah, Philip Deneau from the Montreal Canadiens uh, comes in at number thirty-two here on the list. Twenty-seven years old. He's got one year left on his deal at three point oh eight million dollars. Philip Deneau is a fantastic player. And if the Leafs can somehow bring him in and kind of solidify him as that third-line center and and maybe maybe they could find a package to move out Kerfoot for Deneau, uh, like Kerfoot and something else for Philip Deneau, who apparently has asked for a trade out of Montreal. Now, the thing is, he does want to trade out of Montreal, but the reasoning was because he wants to have a top-six Role and he doesn't feel like he's going to get it with the youth coming in. And if he comes to Toronto, he's not going to get that because he's got Matthews and Tavares in front of him down the middle. But he would be a guy who could solidify, you know, one, two, three down the middle. And I believe that in order to win a Stanley Cup, you saw it happen just this past year in Tampa Bay. You got to have depth. I'm not as sold on Alex Kerfoot as, as you know, some of you guys maybe. And I just I'd like to upgrade him at that position, and as well just the overall depth. And I think Philip Deneau would be a great opportunity to do that. He does have some some offense to him as well. He had 47 points in 71 games this year. You know he's 27, so he's he's kind of right at that that uh, hot spot there where he's he's right in the middle of his prime. I think Deneau could be a really good addition if they can somehow get it done. Like I'm not I'm this isn't somebody who I'd be willing to give up, you know, fifteenth overall for. Definitely not. But if maybe Andreas Janssen or or Kerfoot 
could be the 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 two pieces that start a framework for a contract or for for a trade. Sorry, I'd be on board for that. And Montreal is trying to get more offensive. Well, I think Kerfoot and Janssen are 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 considered. You know, they could be more offensive than Phil. Ah, ah. Philip Deneau probably still is, is more of an offensive piece than both of them. But I think the ceiling is higher on a guy like Yonten and Kerfoot. Offensively, that is. Deneau's a, a terrific two-way uh, defensive defenseman. I think he also had some some votes for uh, defensive play of the year, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was like top five or something. I think he was he was nominated for some... Like he was on the ballot, quite a few ballots for the Lady Bing. So he'd be someone I'd be interested in. Another guy, similar player... Vincent Trocek, 27 years old. He's got two years left on his deal at $4.75 million. Uh, he got dealt to Carolina at the deadline, and it really just didn't click for him in Carolina. Like, the end of the season didn't go well. He didn't play great through the playoffs. He was injured last season, and he just kind of struggled all, all this year. And I think that Trocek is a guy in the past who really was trending upward and looked like he was going to be a, a solid, dominant, two-way, top-six centerman in the National Hockey League. And for whatever reason, things soured last season, and then it kind of carried into this year. But at two years, at $4.75 million, if 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 maybe Carolina... No, I doubt Carolina holds money back on this, so Kerfoot might have to be going out to make this deal happen. But Trocek at 4.75 as your third-line center, that's basically what you were paying Nazem Kadri to do, and he would basically come in and play the Nazem Kadri role, which is something that everybody was saying all season long. Oh, if only we had Kadri, especially in the playoffs. I, I I like it. I like that that addition. So he comes in at number 42. I think Carolina is probably going to be looking to shop him. Uh, he is on a team that's pretty deep at center. And again, what are they going to be looking for? Probably a goaltender, but also they're looking for some scoring. Uh, and he's a guy who's proven that he could be a top six player when he's healthy. So I think Vinny Trocek is an interesting one. It's kind of keep an eye on there. A little expensive, but I think uh, the production the production can be there for that price. All right, real quick, I just want to have a real quick conversation about what I think free agency is going to be like. Uh, we're about a week away from it. And in my opinion, we're going to see the top guys get paid, right? You're going to see eight-plus million coming to both uh, Petrangelo and uh, you might not see eight million go to Taylor Hall, but you'll definitely see at least seven, right? So I think like these top guys are going to get paid. It's the bottom six players that are probably going to end up getting squeezed and the veterans who are going to end up having to take a lot less, maybe one-year deals than they normally would. These guys who usually sign for, you know, like two years at, at two and a half million per, it may only get a one-year, one-and-a-half, or a one-year, one million, just because, you know, A, teams aren't looking to spend money, and B, the cap didn't go up. So there's a couple of reasons why I believe this could happen. But I think that actually could work out in the Maple Leafs favor. And why I believe that is because, well, if they go out and they end up signing a guy like Petrangelo, they're going to have to move on from, you know, Janssen and potentially also another guy who's making some money like Kerfoot. If they do that, 
and they've already gotten rid of Kasperi Kapanen, they've depleted a lot of their bottom six depth. Like, it's not good. <laughs> um, if that were to happen, of course. And if you look at what the Tampa Bay Lightning did, they really had four lines that they felt comfortable rolling. A great blend of size, skill, speed. They had them on cheap contracts, which helps, but they also paid a premium to get those cheap, good players. Paid a first-round pick for Barkley Goodrow, first-round pick for Blake Coleman. I'm not saying that the Leafs are going to have to go and and spend first-round picks to get these bottom six players, but what I'm saying is you still have to have that depth to win. And I think that there's going to be a better pool of players at, you know, one to two million dollar range this offseason that you don't normally see. You know, a guy like Wayne Simmons, a guy like him might be like a million dollar player in this climate. I think he's what, like 30, 33, 34, 35 maybe years old, coming off a pretty poor year. I could see Wayne Simmons being somebody who has to settle for less. Cody Eakin, a guy who might have to settle for less. Mark Pissick, a defenseman. Florida's looking to shed salary. I doubt they bring him back, and that's really the only place he's had success. So I don't know if there's going to be a market for him. And if there's not, he's someone who Toronto's been linked to a couple of times. But if there's not really a market, you might be able to get a guy like that for, for a million bucks. On a one-year deal. I think we'll see a lot of one-year deals coming. One or two-year deals, that is, I guess. It'll be beneficial for both the players and the teams as well. The players want to make sure that they have money coming in. And the teams are just going to want to know how much money they have going forward. So that they can budget themselves. So I think it's going to be an interesting free agency period. And I think that the Leafs actually may benefit a little bit because you're going to end up seeing bottom six players who normally typically go for, you know, the two, three million dollar range only get one or two million. And if you go bargain hunting, you might be able to fill out your depth that way. So that excites me a little bit from Toronto's perspective. Next week, I'll come up with a, a nice list of players who I think the Leafs could target as depth signings. And we'll probably do that. No, I'll say on Thursday, because that's the day after day two of the draft and the day before free agency. Or we'll do it like Friday morning before free agency. Before free agency. Sometime next week. We'll get it done. But that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked on Leafs. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked on NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked on hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.